So today's year we're going to be continuing with Hilchot Tfilin, uh, and Bezrat Hashem next week we'll deal with Hilchot uh, Rosh Hashanah. So last week we discussed um, the many halachot that are halachot Moshe Mitzinai, how the actual Tfilin is uh, is made, um, has to be black, has to be square, etc., etc., um, and all the other halachot halachot Moshe Mitzinai. Today's year, we are going to focus on the correct placement of the tefillin, tefillin shal yad, tefillin shal rosh. We're going to also discuss a left-handed person, um, where they should place uh, um, the tefillin, what hand, and who is considered a left-handed person. As we'll see, that's a great debate amongst the poskim. Um, and finally, we'll discuss the brocha and see the machloket between Rabbeinu Tam um, and the other Rishonim, and which has led to a big machloket between the Ashkenazim and Sephardim. Okay, so let's begin. Sorry, I'm just getting to the page. Oh, one second. Um, okay, so we are starting on page, um, 290. That's actually, sorry, 297. Okay, so as I said, in today's year, we'll be discussing uh, where to place the Tefillin Shal Rosh, Tefillin Shal Yad, the correct order, which one wears it, um, and if you're a left-handed person and the Brocha. So let's begin. The Shulchan Aruch tells us in Siman Chafhei, Sif Aleph, Achar Shelavash Talit Metsuyatz, Yaniach Tefillin. First, one puts on a talit, and then one puts on the tefillin. Shem'alin bakodesh. Why? Because we go up in sanctity. Now, this is very interesting. Ma'alin bakodesh. Um, there is a Gemara that says, right? Anything that is holier, any object that is holier than the than the other precedes. So if one were to assume that tefillin is more kadosh, which we know tefillin is more kadosh than tzitzit, so according to that Gemara, one should actually put on tefillin before putting on tzitzit. The Shulchan Aruch didn't say that. The Shulchan Aruch says, as we do today, everyone first puts on their talit and then puts on their uh, tefillin. So how does that work? So it explains the Bira Halacha, the Bira Halacha in source number two, because when we say ma'alin bakodesh, if I'm just looking at the two objects, tefillin versus talit, and tefillin is more holy, so anything that is holier has preference, goes first. But since we're looking at the person, the person is going to put on tefillin and talit, and the person should be ascending, so then we apply the principle of by the way, this was not uh, so clear. In fact, the Shagas Aryeh writes uh, to argue with the Shulchan Aruch. Shagas Aryeh says as follows, two reasons 
why he thinks that it doesn't apply the principle of first putting on uh, the talit and then putting on the tefillin. He says as follows. The Rishonim say, I think it's in the name of the Rosh, that you first put on the talit and then you put on the tefillin. And he brings two reasons. Reason number one is because the mitzvah of talit is tadir as opposed to the mitzvah of tefillin, which is enosh tadir. And tadir, not tadir, tadir call them one which is more frequent, a more constant mitzvah, always takes precedence. And therefore, since talit, we wear seven days a week, whereas tefillin, we don't wear on Shabbat. So because of that, uh, the talit takes uh, precedence. That is the one reason brought down by the Rishonim. The second, um, the second reason brought down by the Rishonim is basically Malin Pekodesh. So says the Shagasarye, says the Shagasarya, it's not true. Why? Because Tadir Vashen or Tadir is it really true that the mitzvah of Talit is more constant than the mitzvah of Tfilin? Now the Shagasarya points out that according to most Rishonim, according to most Rishonim, the mitzvah of Tfilin is all both in the day and at night. Whereas according to everybody, the mitzvah of Talit. Right, is a mitzvah that is basically during the day. It depends how you define the day. Is it a day clothing or is it a day by the sunrise and sunset? But clearly, talit is a day mitzvah and it's not obligated at night. Whereas, according to Tfilin, at least on a Torah level, according to most opinions other than the Rambam, there's an obligation to wear Tfilin at night. So, says the Shagasariya, which one is more constant, Tfilin or uh, Tfilin or <clears throat> Or, or Talit, and he wants to argue that even on Shabbat and Chagim, it's not so Pashut that Midoraita you don't have a Chiyuv. There's a big discussion amongst that. So the bottom line is that this assumption of the Shulchan Aruch, I just want to point out that it was a, a big debate amongst the Poskim. Um, the Shagasari in the end of the day does agree uh, in the end of the day to put on Talit first and then and then the, the um, Tfilin, but for different reasons, uh, brought down by the Shulchan Aruch. Okay, so let's uh, move on into the next uh, next thing. Says the Shulchan Aruch in Sef Ben. katan, a person who is careful to wear a talit katan, what we call tzitzit, meaning that many people didn't have a talit katan. They only had other talit gadol and the tzitzit or whatever it is. But he says, a person who is careful to wear a talit katan so the order of putting things on is as follows. Yilbashenu, first you put on your talit katan, your tzitzit. Ve'aniach tfilin beveto. Then you place the tfilin on in one's home. Ve'elech levush betzitzit umuchtar betfilin leveta kneset. And that's how you walk to shul. V'sham yitatef betalit gadol. And that's when one places the talit gadol. Or we call our talus. So that is the order according to the Shulchan Aruch. But says the Ramah, the minhag ha'olam is to first put on the talit gadol and only after and make a broch on it. Even according to the Ramah, although he says you first put on your talit gadol and then the tefillin, it sounds like it should be done at home, meaning that people should be uh, 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 putting their talus and filling on at home and only then walking 
to shul. Now, most people that I see uh, don't do this. They, uh, they put their tefillin and talit at shul. So where, where does this come from? Um, this idea actually comes from the Zohar. And he says as follows, the Beit Yosef says, First you put on your tzitzit, then you put on your tefillin. Why is this? It's not explicitly mentioned in the Gemara at all. This is to fulfill what Rav Shimon Bayochai says in the Zohar Shekatab the Sefer Zohar in Parshat Vayetchanan. So now we start to understand why the world is not so makpid regarding this halacha. Why is the world not so makpid regarding this halacha? It's very interesting, and it's a, it's a, there's a lot of discussion that needs to be discussed regarding what happens if a halacha is not mentioned in the Gemara, but it is brought down in the Zohar. How careful do we have to be to fulfill that, uh, to fulfill that uh, mitzvah or not? As we see um, in the footnote over here, Rav Moshe Feinstein felt uh, he put on his tefillin only in, the, um, only in his yeshiva. He didn't put it on walking there. And there could be two reasons for this. As we'll see, it could be that, you know, it's only permitted to walk with your tefillin to shul if there's no dirty things uh, that you have to cross by. But if it's going to be a bizayon to the tefillin, um, for whatever reason, either the things that are going to be not sanua, which is uh, definitely a problem in today's society, or just there's going to be a filthy smell or whatever it is, then that would be a problem. So that might be one reason that many people kind of did away with this uh according to the Zohar, to fulfill the obligation of the Zohar. It could be that because it's not mentioned in Shas, our obligation to the fulfilling what's written in the Zohar is not obligatory. It's not like a binding. And that could be the opinion of Rav Moshe uh, Feinstein. It's not so clear why he didn't. But that is the standard practice of many, many people today, especially in Chutzlar, it's where these issues are very problematic. Okay. Now that we've discussed that one puts on the tefillin and, sorry, one first puts on the talit and then one puts on the tefillin, um, the question is, what, what's the order of putting on the tefillin? Tefillin shal ya, tefillin shal rosh. So this is explicit in the Gemara. The Gemara in Masechet Menachot, Taflamet Vav, tells us, Tanak shu meniach, meniach shal yad, v'achakach meniach shal rosh. First, you place, you don the tefillin of the hand and afterwards of the rosh. Says the Gemara, and when he removes his tefillin, uh, first removes of the head and afterwards of the yad. So I can understand the order of donning the tefillin because it says, and only afterwards, after connecting it, tying it to your arm, it says, then it talks about the twilin shell rosh. So you see the chronology of the psukim is telling you first the hand and then the head. Where do I know 
that when it comes to the, um, the removing of the twillin, that one has to first remove the twillin shell rosh. So says the Gemara, this is learned out from Exerat Akatu. Amar Rabba, Ravuna Asbarali, Amakra. The Pasuk says, the Hayu, and they will be. The Hayu letotafot and they will be. Says the Gemara, Kozman Necha Yushtaim. The Pshat of that Pasuk is when you have Tfilin between your eyes, Tfilin on your head, it has to be in a pair. How do we get that? Explains Rashi. Rashi says the word Bahayu mashma shtaim, that the word Bahayu in plural is referring to two, calls manchu explains Rashi, that the Gemara is learning out that the word Bahayu is telling me that as long as I have tefillin on my head, I actually have to be wearing a pair of tefillin. So therefore the only way that I can fulfill this obligation is by first removing because if I took off my tefillin shalyad, then I would not have a pair of tefillin while I had my tefillin on my head. Um, now, it's, so, so we saw that the order is first put the tefillin shalyad, then the tefillin shalrosh. When removing it, you put the tefillin shalrosh and then the tefillin shalyad. Now, there is a fascinating Yerushalmi that highlights the stringency of the order of first donning tefillin shalyad and then the tefillin shalrosh. And this is a Gemara a Yerushalmi in Chagiga <clears throat> that says the following chasidim, Two righteous people in the city of Ashkelon. They had a Chavrusa. They were eating together, drinking together, learning together. One of the Tzadikim, one of these righteous people, died and was not given the correct eulogy. He wasn't eulogized in a befitting manner that is uh, appropriate uh, to his status as a tzaddik. Now, on the same day, it seemed, the child of the tax collector, whose name was Ma'on, passed away. And everyone went to the Levaya, everyone was giving long, lots of eulogies. So the remaining Chavruta that was still alive got very upset. Woe to Amisol that have no merit that he had to suffer such a bizayon that he didn't get a proper eulogy. And So the Chassid uh, came to him in a dream. His Chavruta who passed away came to him in a dream. Do not uh, <clears throat> begrudge the Jewish people. I did one of in my life, but because, and I was meant to get punished, but because I didn't get a proper eulogy, that was my kaparata vanot. And the opposite, this son, who was, sounds to be, it seems like he was a proper Russian, the fact that he got such a, a good eulogy, that was his reward in this world. And now he doesn't get any reward in Olamaba. What was the Avera that he did? He didn't really do an Avera. He, once he first put on the Tfilin Shalosh before putting on the Tfilin Shalyat. 
And that was, we see that, you know, because of that, he wasn't uh, able to get a proper unity just to, to, to highlight the stringency that it has to be done, donned in the correct order. To the point where the Gemara said, the Shulchan Aruch points out in Siman Chafhei Sifva, in Pagab Shel Rosh Tchilana, we have a rule, Ein Ma'avirin Ala Mitzvot, a person shouldn't uh, overstep or override the mitzvot. We saw that in last week's year. So says the Shulchan Aruch, in Pagab Shel Rosh Tchilana, if a person first came across his Tfilin Shel Rosh, Tzarich La'avir Alota Mitzvah, he, 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 we don't accept this general rule of Ein Ma'avirin Ala Mitzvot, rather, you skip that mitzvah, and the reason is because, as we saw, the Torah gave a specific order of how to put on the tefillin. First the tefillin shall yad, and then the tefillin shall rosh. I just want to highlight that this is all assuming that a person's putting on both pairs of tefillin. Let's say a person, for whatever reason, can't put tefillin on his hands. Chas v'shalom is an accident, whatever it is, he can't put tefillin on his hands. In such a case, of course, he still puts the tefillin uh, shall rosh. They two separate mitzvot, um, and if you can't put the one, you still put the other. Um, that is uh, accepted uh, by everybody. We're assuming that you can put both the tefillin shall yad and the tefillin shall rosh together. And the question is, what's the pre preferred order? So says the shulchan aruch. Even in the case where you have to be mavir ala mitzvot, nevertheless, you still put on the tefillin shall yad first, and then the tefillin shall rosh. Uh, as we saw in the previous year, but one should try and make sure that one doesn't get to that situation. Therefore, when one puts one tefillin back in the uh, the tefillin case, one should always make sure that tomorrow when one puts one, picks one tefillin up, he's got to first touch the tefillin shall yad before the tefillin shall rosh. This is generally a problem um, on Rosh Chodesh because Rosh Chodesh, you take off both your pairs of tefillin and then you put them and you forget to put them in the right order. Okay. Now it comes to the next part of the year, and that is where to actually place the tefillin, i.e., where, where, where on the hand do we place the tefillin? So says the Gemara in Masechet Menachot, and we're going to have to look at this Gemara and just come up with a few klalim, a few principles that come out of the Gemara in Menachot Lamadzai. Tanadven Menashe, al yadcha. The Torah says that you place it on your hand. Now, what is one, the, the, the word yad, does that mean a hand or does that mean an arm? Um, it's not so clear. It says, it's referring to, when it says yadcha, it's referring to the arm and it's referring to the kiboret, meaning the, the, the base. Amamar yadcha zo kiboret. Minana? Why are you assuming that the word yadcha refers to the arm, which is referring to the base. The Tanda Rabbana, al yadcha, so says the Gemara, I've got a brighter, al yadcha ze goba shabiyat. It's referring to the heart and part of the arm. The heart and part of the arm is referring to the base. Atal me ze goba shabiyat, oino ele yadcha mamash. Maybe it is the palm of one's hand, meaning the word yad could also be a palm of one's hand, or it could also be the arm. Ze goba shabiyat, oino ele yadcha mamash. Amrat Torah, so the Torah says, Anach Tfilin Beyad, Vanach Tfilin Barosh. Torah connects, Darling Tfilin Shal Yad, Darling Tfilin Shal Rosh. Malahalan Begova Shabarosh. Just as over there, it's the top part of the head, right? We'll, we'll discuss uh, later on where to place it on the head, but clearly it is the top part of the, the head, just above the forehead. 
so to over here, the connection would apply, the same principle would apply to the twin in Shabiyat, right? So too, Malahalan Gover Shabarosh Afkan Bovin Shabiyat. It's on the top part of the hand. Rabbi Yezo Omer, Enot Sarich, Hare Omer, I don't need that reasoning. It says, Vaya Lacha Laot. It's for you, a son. Now, if I place something on my palm, generally a person's palm of one's hand is, uh, is visible to everyone all the time. The, the arm is generally covered or might be covered. It's not accessible and not visible all the time to everybody. So says Rabbi Yezer, that means that the fact that Torah stresses it's a sign to you is implying that not necessarily this is visible to everybody. So therefore it must be on the arm and not on the palm of one's hand. And Rabbi Yitzhak Omer and Otsarich, he gives a third reason. It says, It says, place it on your heart, that you've got to place it opposite one's heart. So obviously opposite one's heart is generally on the upper part of the arm, uh, parallel to, to where one's heart is. They would direct it right, exactly opposite their heart. So that's basically the Gemara. Um, <clears throat> and we, we just, just if you see that uh, the English over here, we've summarized that there are three locations that are stressed from the Gemara. Number one, on the upper part of the arm. Number two, it's generally a part that is more hidden than from other people. And number three, that it's opposite one's heart. And the tour tells us exactly where to place the twin in. So it says the tour in Siman Chavzayim, Makom Anachatan, Shalyad Bezroasmol, has to be on one's left hand. We'll discuss the left hand in a moment, but let's assume that we're on the left hand for now. Begova Habasa. Now, the Gova uh, Habasa, it's an interesting description of, of, of the muscle. How do you describe the muscle? The elated part of the hand, meaning of the arm, referring to the bastard, right? Between the elbow and the shoulder. And it should be facing slightly inwards towards the body to the right-hand side. That when one basically puts one's hand uh, hanging down directly, you can negatively bore. So the tefillin will be facing opposite his heart. And you take the strap and you wind it around one's arm until one reaches the finger. Notice that the tool doesn't focus how many times one has to wrap it around one's arm. He just says it gets to the finger and it should wrap around the middle finger three times. The Beit Yosef basically extends the description of the uh, tour, but adds one or two things. He says, Katuv b'smak. The smak writes, Tzarich la'anicham b'makom gabor shel on the Baaseh. Bezeo be'etzem she'bein ha'etzer she'korin kovdo ve'en ha'shechi she'korin shovko. And this is on the bone of the upper arm, i.e. the muscle is on top of the bone, between the elbow and the shoulder. And the Hagahota smack, if I'm not mistaken, that's Rabbeinu Peret says, don't think that the entire upper arm is kosher to 
It's not the entire upper arm. Really, it's on the bicep, and the bicep that is closer to the elbow than to the armpit, meaning that one places it on the bicep, but if you look at where the bicep is, the bicep can extend quite far up to the shoulder, to the armpit. One shouldn't place it too high on the arm, close to the armpit. One should place it lower down at the end of the bicep, which is closer to the um, closer to the elbow. And the Berek Meaning place it directly on the bicep, not below that, not above that. And how do we pass can Allah small, you place it on the left hand, on the apple of the of the skin, referring to the bicep, between the uh, elbow and one's uh, armpit. So basically, put it on the upper arm, facing it slightly inwards. And the Ramah adds, Place it closer on the bicep, closer to the elbow, and not closer to the shoulder. Okay, so that is a clarification that we've seen that basically you put it on the bottom part of the bicep uh, that is focusing closer to the um, closer to the water. Okay, now there's the uh, the the next part is the ma'barta. Now the ma'barta and the yud, as we'll see, uh, could get quite complicated because sometimes a person doesn't have their own tefillin and they have to borrow a a leftist tefillin. And when you borrow the leftist tefillin, um, who he puts it on his right hand, we'll see that things can get complicated. So let's first see what the Shulchan Aruch says. Shulchan Aruch in Chafzayim, Tziv Bet and Tziv Kimmel tells us, Amina ganachon yud shal kesher tefillah shal yad letzad halev. That we, we know that besides for the tefillin and the strap, there's a little knot that comes out of the ma'abarta. That's the passageway that you thread the strap through where there's a little knot with the shape of a yud. And the Mishra the says that that yud should be facing the heart, meaning the facing outward. And the yud, that knot, is closer on the right-hand side of the tefillin uh, towards the chest. And another thing is that this yud must always be connected to the actual tefillin. Now, the minhag the strap or the passageway where the strap goes through should be at the top part facing the shoulder, meaning that this is my, my arm, here's my shoulder. Here is my uh, elbow. The ma'abarta is closer to the top part, and that's where the yud is as well. Now, the Sharei Shuba points out 
that since we the Mishrochanar says that the, the yud always has to be connected to the tefillin, so he says as follows. This is important even when one's not wearing the tefillin, even when it's just uh, um, connected to uh, placed in the tefillin case, one should still make sure that the yud is always connected to the tefillin. So some people are noeg to take a sinew and connect it to, but and tie it to the twillin. But you don't make such a knot at the time when you are tying. And this has got to be done before it. But says the Shari Chuba, he wasn't happy with this milah. Then there's going to be the sinew that is going to go under the base of the tefillin. And this is going to cause a chatzitza between the actual arm and the tefillin. And then he says, Since it's really at the back of the tefillin, where the ma'abarta is, there, we're not worried over there, regarding Chatzitza. So he said, perhaps the reason why people are not worried about Chatzitza is because the Chatzitza is only under where the parchment, the four pieces of parchment are. But the Ma'abarita, which is the, the, the end part of the Tvilin, perhaps is not a din of a Chatzitza, but it doesn't come to a absolute clear conclusion, right? Um, now, the Bira Alacha points out a very color, uh, common problem, as I, was, as, as I was pointing out before. A person goes to shul, um, or whatever, he's in the army, and he wants to put on tefillin, and the only tefillin that they are there, let's say he's a lefty, uh, sorry, yeah, let's say he's a lefty, so he generally puts tefillin on the right hand. And now he wants to borrow from his friend, but his friend puts his tefillin on the left hand. So he says, okay, I'll take your tefillin. I'll just, I'll put it on my right hand. And the problem is when you put it on the right hand, right? And he wants to tie it. So everything gets swapped around. Now, what's more important? If it isn't more important that the yud is closer to the heart, right, closer to the body, or is it more important that the ma'abarta, that the passageway is closer to the shoulder? So regarding the Sabira Alacha hones in the machloket. Mishu iter ve'ein lo rak tefillin shel enoiter. Person who's a lefty, who's only got a right, he's a tefillin, or lehefech, yuchal la'afochu la'aniach ha'tzitzah le'tzal ha'katef ha'maparta le'tzal ha'yad. The way you get around it is you basically turn the tefillin upside down so that the place where you where you usually place the, where the strap runs through, the ma'abarta, is now closer to the, uh, it's closer to the um, the elbow. Ken katab b'tshuvat shvut Yaakov or Tzachayim, that's the preferred way. Kizeh b'vaday tov yoter mimash yanech kach v'yeh tefillin samuch leleid v'yeh kesha ayud chutzala. Because if you do it in the regular fashion where the ma'abarta is closer to the shoulder, what's going to happen is that the yud is going to be outside of, of the body. And that is a problem. It's not going to be samukh and that will be a problem. Uh, 
even though the Shulchan Aruch says that, you know, this din that the Yud has to be close to the heart is only a minag, the Vilna Gaon points out that according to the Go'inim, this is a halacha din of the Gemara. That's how they explain the Gemara. And therefore, we don't want to mess around with the din of the Gemara. And therefore, says the Bira Lacha, in such a case, it is preferable to place the filling upside down, even though the Mahabharata is going to be basically facing the elbow, but nevertheless, the yud is going to be in the correct place. It's just a technical problem that it keeps on falling. So you have to kind of uh, tie the tilin down. It's, it's, it's not a simple, not a simple feat, but uh, with a bit of perseverance, uh, we can do that. Okay, we now come to a very, very important machloket, uh, and this has huge halachic ramifications. Which arm should a person put um, down his tefillin? On the left hand, on the right hand. Now, we've already seen that the Shulchan Paskin on the left hand. But we've also mentioned that a left-handed person places on the right hand. So what is the source for this? And more importantly, what is the definition of a left-handed person and a right-handed person in Halakha? As we'll see, it's not so simple. And it's because there are different explanations brought down in the Gemara. So let's go through this Gemara uh, quite slowly. And from that, we'll see the Machloket Rishonim regarding this issue. So Tanra Bonan, again, the Gemara in Masechet Menachot Lamed Vav, the Torah says, you've got to place it al yadcha. says the Gemara, says the writer, Zosmol, it's referring to the left hand, Atal Mersmol, I know Elamin, who says, maybe it's the right hand, Tamud Lomar, At Yadi Yazdak, Eretz, Beyamini, Tavcha, Shamayi, it's the Pasuk in Yeshayahu says, Yadi, my hand, created the foundation of the earth. The right hand right, was the one that spread out the heavens. So you see from here, the word Yad refers to the left hand. Because in the same Pasuk, you have Yadi, my left hand, and then Yemini, my right hand. So the word Yad refers to the left hand. That is the opinion of the writer. We found in scripture that also the right hand is called the Yad. Go back to Brashit. That basically he found his father was placing his right hand. So you see that the word Yad can also refer to the right hand. So now it's a bit of a challenge. So Nathan basically says, no, different reason why you place, they have to place the tefillin on your left hand. The Torah connects donning the tefillin shal rosh, sorry, uh, on your hand, right, and also a mezuzah, writing of a mezuzah. Now, just as writing is usually done with one's right hand, the amin, so to when one ties the knot, of the twinning, when one connects it to the arm, it has to be tied with the right hand. If you're tying with your right hand, you're obviously placing it on the left hand. So therefore, the hanacha, the placement is going to be on the left hand. So that's the second reason. The first reason was that the word yad refers to a left hand. The Gemara kind of said that that's not so true. The second reason is the Torah connects writing and Donning of the twin. So just as writing is done with the right hand, so to donning of the twin is done with the right hand, meaning you have to place it on your left hand. 
When Rabbi Yossi Achorem, who said originally that he doesn't hold that Yad refers to a left hand because he's showed you in Braishit that Yad can also mean the right hand. So says the Gemara, he agrees with Rabbi Natan. I, Rabbi Natan, the critical thing was the hand that ties. So just as the hand that writes, it's got to be the hand that ties, and that's the critical focus. Rabashi Amar, the third reason, Yadcha, the word is written Yadcha with a hey at the end, Kativ Behei Kehe, meaning your weaker hand. So this just summarizes. Either we learn out that you have to wear tefillin on your left hand because the Torah describes to place it on you, the Yad, which is the left hand, possibility number one, or the Torah connects writing and donning the tefillin. And just as one writes with one right, with one's hand, so too one dons the tefillin with one's right hand. Therefore, by default, you're placing it on the left hand. Or you have to place it on your weaker hand. That was Ravashi. Yad Cha Yad Kehe. Which one is the correct answer? Says the Gemara, Tanda Rabbana, Iter, person is a lefty, places it on his right hand, Shehu Smok, which is his left hand, but it's everyone else's uh, right hand. Ah, it's his left hand because it's his weak hand. Also, Gemara, Vatani, Menech, Vesmoloshu, Smoloshaladam. But the brighter says, no, he places mummy on the left hand, which is the left hand of everybody. That's an ambidextrous person. So we know an ambidextrous person goes back to the original cloud, placing it on one's left hand. Now, the question is why we place it on the left hand. The Gemara gave it a few different answers. Either it's your weaker hand or it's the hand that you don't write with. Now, which one of those are the critical um, criteria because sometimes we can have people that they use their hand, so they use their right hand to do most of their labor, throw balls, etc. But when it comes to writing, they write with the left hand. So if it's terms of the weaker hand, the left hand over here is a weaker hand because I only write with it. I don't throw balls with it. I don't pick up bats with it. On the other hand, if I'm going to go with the reason of Rabbi Natan, it's critical is the hand, the, the Torah is focusing on the hand that you write with, that is the hand that you have to tie the twillin with. So if I'm writing with my left hand, I'm going to tie the twillin with my left hand onto my right hand. So which one is it? So as usual, Machloket Rishonim says the Torah. Um, well, let's just go back to Rashi. Um, no, we didn't bring Rashi. So Rashi says basically that the Ikar is that it's got to be that you place the tefillin always on the weaker hand. Meaning, even if I if I do the majority of my labor with my right hand, even though I write with my left hand, I'm still considered a righty. And therefore, my left hand is a weaker hand, and I put the tefillin on the left hand. That is the shita of Rashi. However, the tour brings Rachil of Paris. Viter yad yemino meniach besmolo. He said, a left-handed person, he places the tefillin on his left hand, what does it mean on his left hand? Which is the right hand of every other person. Meaning his left hand, his weak hand, which is the right hand. 
Dafke shose kol melachto bismolo. When do I place everything? When do I place it on the right hand? If I'm a real lefty, a real lefty means I do everything with my left hand. But if I write with my right hand, even though the majority of the things I'm doing with my left hand, the fact that I write with my right hand defines me as a regular righty, and therefore I'm going to place it on my left on, on my left hand. So I'm going to repeat that. According to Rabbi of Paris, the critical defining criteria is which hand do I write with? Nachon, my left hand is super strong and that's what I throw balls with, etc., etc. But since I write with my right hand, I'm now considered a righty and therefore I place my tefillin on my left hand. That's not what Rashi said. Rashi argued and says you go with the weaker hand, meaning if I'm doing everything with my left hand and I'm just writing with my right hand, according to Rashi, I'm a left-handed person. And therefore, I should be placing the tefillin on my right hand. Let's see the Beit Yosef. The Beit Yosef says, So he only writes with the left hand, but he does everything else with the right hand, meaning his right hand is a lot stronger, but he writes with the left hand. Sorry, I skipped. Adam uh, small. Uh, so he's writing with his left hand. But the majority of his actions with the right hand, that's his strong hand. Or the opposite. Or he writes with the right hand. And the majority of his other actions are done with the left hand. Here the Bala Truma says, you go according to the weaker hand. You always place it on the weaker hand. As we saw, there was a sheet of Rashi. That was a sheet of Rashi. We don't go according to the hand that you're at. Forget that reasoning in the Gemara. There's also the opinion of the Mordechai. And the smack writes, So if you can do everything with your left hand, then you place it on your right hand. No questions asked. But if he can also write with his right hand, it's considered his ambidextrous, and therefore goes back to the Gemara's cloud, an ambidextrous person places it on the left hand. So basically a person who's a lefty, but also writes with his right hand, as Yaniach small, he places, he dons a trillion on the left hand. The main factor is the hand that you write with. Right? So here we really have a huge machloket between the Rishonim. Rav Chil of Piris says everything goes according to the writing. If, it's a, if you write with the right hand, you're a righty and you place your tefillin on the left hand. If you write with your left hand, you're a lefty and you place your tefillin on the right hand. I don't care which is the stronger hand. That goes against the Rashi, that goes against the Mordechai. Uh, so how do we pass it? And here comes the Cholent. The Cholent is the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch writes, Im kotev 
If he writes with his right hand, and everything else he does with his left hand, or the opposite, there's some say that you go, you place it on the weaker hand. We follow Ravashi in the Gemara. The Yesh Omrim and some say Shayat Shekotepa Hi Chashuba quotes the opinion of Rabbi of Paris that it goes according to the hand that writes. Linian Zem and Yachtsvilin Biyad Shekenegdak and therefore he plays it. So the Shukhanah brings us two Yesh Omrims. We know what the halacha is when there's a stamp, the Yesh Omrim halacha is stamp. But when he says Yesh Omrim, the Yesh Omrim, it's not so clear. Do we always say Yesh Omrim Patra? Do we not? It is not so clear how the, the, the Shulchan Aruch is paskening. And, and this is really a shiner because according to the opinion that you have to place it on your left hand, you place it on your right hand, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah and vice versa. So God now comes to the, the, the rabbi and asks him, which hand do I place it on? Now, if the rabbi gets it wrong, he, this person doesn't fulfill the mitzvah of Tvilin. And this is a mitzvah he's going to do every day of his life. So it's quite a bit of a responsibility. So what, who do we pass in like? It's not so clear going to the Shulchan But what does the Ramah pass in? The Hachi Nahur. The second approach is the custom for Bnei Ashkenaz. What is that? That we go according to Rabbi Yechiel of Paris. That we focus on the hand that is writing. Okay. So if I write with my right hand, I place it on the left hand. I write with my left hand, even though I do everything else with my right hand, I'm considered a lefty and I, I put my feeling on the left hand, on the right hand. That is the shitta of the Rama. So, okay. So we could say, so Svardim uh, in a bit of a pickle because it's not so clear what the Shulchan Aruch Paskins. Ashkenazim, it's quite clear. The Rama Paskins, like Rabbi Chil of Paris, we go according to the hand that the, the defining factor is the hand that writes. But then we look at the Biura Allah. The Hagra, Vilnagal. The Biura, Hichzik Legamre Kedea Rishana. The Vilnagan says that this idea of writing, it's, it's non consequential. The law is Linan, Klaal, Bata, Ketiva. We don't go after what you write, but you go after the, the weaker hand. Whatever you place the children on, whichever is the weaker hand. The majority of one's actions, one does with one's left hand, i.e. my left hand is my stronger hand. So now we have a pointer. The pointer for the Ashkenazim is that the Ramah says one thing and the Vilna Gaon says another. And that seems to be how the Shulchan Aruch, how the Mishnah Baruch passes. So you got the, the, the Ramah on the one hand and you got the Gaon the Vilna Gaon and the Mishnabur on the other hand. Not so clear who we pass it. And even the Achronim, both regarding Ashkenazim and Sephardim, uh, it's not clear. And you ask different people, and uh, there was one opinion that I saw that basically a person should put on Tvilin twice. One on his left hand, one on his right hand, from Safek. Um, but most Poskim don't say that. Most Poskim don't tell a person to put on Tvilin on right hand and left hand. Um, but, but if you have a child that has got both, you know, they sometimes use their hand for writing and they sometimes use the other hand for doing, um, if you can, you can actually train a person um, at a very young age to decide which hand to write with, and then you're going to get out of the problem. So 
if you make him right with the hand that he's usually stronger with, you get out of this plankton. And that's, uh, that's my suggestion for people that have young kids, um, see how they are handling their ball skills and their stronger hand, that should be the hand that they're going to also be focusing the writing with. And then you don't get into this halachic uh, quandary of bemet how to fulfill the mitzvah, uh, because it's not so simple. If you get it wrong, you don't fulfill the mitzvah at all. At least at finishal yad. Okay. Um, so, uh, as it's, so we can see here in the diagram that you see that the Mishnah Brura and the Gra follow the Shit of Rashi and Rosh, meaning the Ikar is the weaker hand. You place it on the weaker hand, whereas the Rama followed the opinion of the Ravchi of Paris. The Ikar is the hand that you don't use to write with. So. You know, when you have the Ramah versus the Vilna Gaon and the Mishnah it's not so simple. But in general, I think uh, the, the accepted opinion is to follow the Mishnah uh, who and, and, and that's kind of the standard practice uh, in general, in general, even though the Poskim that are going to say uh, otherwise. Okay, we're running out of time. Tefillin uh, Shal Rosh. No, I'm just going to, I'm going to skip the Tefillin Shal Rosh because you're not going to get there. And I'm going to go to the Bracha because that is a major, a major machloket. So, also, uh, you know, let me just very quickly do chatzitza interpositions. The Shulchan Aruch says, You cannot have a interposition, some separation between the tefillin and one's hand. Not regarding a hand, not regarding one's head has to be directly on. Now, if one has hair, that's not considered a chatzitza, but if one has a proper pony, that could be, could be problematic. Um, says the and this is what I wanted to focus on. The din is specifically regarding the tefillin themselves, but regarding the ritzuot, the straps, there's no concern for an interposition. Now, why is this uh, important? Many people, such as myself, we have a watch, and then when you're putting on your skin, you're wrapping around the straps around your arm. Is one obligated to take off one's hand watch or not? And the halacha is that one doesn't have to. This is explicit in the Rashba, it's explicit in the Ramah, Me'ikar Adin, one doesn't have to. The Piskei Chubat says that the Minago Ilam is that one should, but it really isn't halacha. And after I started losing many watches in Shul, so now um, I just put my fill-in straps over my, over my watch, and I've seen certain uh, uh, big Rabonim uh, do that. So um, once I saw that, that's the opinion that I have adopted uh, for Shalom Bayit issues, so I don't lose any more watches. So that was regarding the uh, Chatzitza. The final topic is the Brochat. So let's just examine this Gemara very quickly, um, and we'll see the machloket between Rabbeinu Tam and the Rambam. So the Gemara says, If one made a, a distinct, if, if one made a separation, I one talked between putting on the Tvilin Shel Yad and the Tvilin Shel Rosh, you go back and make a brocha. Also Gemara, Sach in lo, Sach lo. Meaning that if you only if you spoke, you repeat bracha, but if not, you don't. 
but didn't they send it on a tefillah shal yad omer baruch hashakir l'shanim mitzvotav v'tzivanu l'haniach tefillin. The bracha for yad is l'haniach. Al tefillin shalosh omer baruch hashakir l'shanim mitzvotav v'tzivanu mitzvah tefillin. So there seems to be two separate brachot, and if they're two separate brachot, so why did the Gemara only say that if one spoke, one repeats the bracha, implying that if one didn't speak, one doesn't repeat the bracha, one doesn't repeat the bracha of one's head. So if a person didn't make a brach, uh, didn't speak, only says one bracha. But if he did speak, then he repeats both bracha. Uh, okay. Now, that's the end of the Gemara. I'm going to explain the Gemara, pretty much explain the Gemara the way Rashi understood it. Rashi and the Rambam both concur that the Gemara is assuming that if one doesn't speak, one only recites one brocha. Let's read Rashi. You make a separate brocha because now you're completing the, the, the mitzvah. Rashi tells me the explanation, the correct explanation of the sugya is that if a person didn't speak, one only makes one brocha, and that is the brocha um, of uh, on the, um, what's it called? Only makes a brocha laniach. But this, and this is also the shit of the Rambam. Uh, <clears throat> let's look. So, well, sorry, let's read the Rambam from the top. Right? You don't have the Rosh, you can soak it on the Yad, and you don't have the Yad, you can soak it on the Rosh. The two separate mitzvahs. Okay. When do I say two brachot? If you only made one brocha. If you're only putting on the tefillin shorosh, says the Rambam, make the brocha on mitzvah tefillin. If you're only putting on the tefillin shalyad, make the brocha laniach. If you placed both, you only make one brocha and the brocha is laniach. Simple reading of the sugya according to the Rambam and Rash. However, Tosfa bring Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam pirish lo sach. If the Gemara, when the Gemara says you didn't speak, mevarechachat, you make one bracha. That's referring to one bracha on the tefillin shel rosh. Mevarech al mitzvah tefillin. He birchato. Aval sach. But if you made a bracha, if you did speak, then on the tefillin shel rosh, you have to make a two brachot. Mevarech shel shem shel rosh laniach ba mitzvah. Meaning. According to Rabbi Nutam, you always make two brachot, one on the hand, la'aniach, and on the rosh, al-mitzvah. If one spoke after making a bracha on the hand, then one has to make another two brachot, sachakol, in total three brachot. That is the shita of Rabbi Nutam, and there are many arguments to, to, to support Rabbi Nutam. One, one of the strongest arguments is where we found that if they're two separate mitzvahs, you don't make a bracha on the second mitzvah, you only make a bracha on the first mitzvah. That's a very strong argument. And therefore, Rabbeinu Tam says, we've never seen such a thing. Because we've never seen such a thing, clearly my explanation of the Gemara says Rabbeinu Tam is correct. How do we pass Kanalach al Interestingly enough, says the Shulchan Aruch, he passes, we, we're running out of time, so I'll say it outside, but 
Okay, well, let's just read it inside. Yanech shotchila v'yavarech l'anech tefillin v'achar kach sharosh v'lo yavarech yim bracha achat l'shtehem. Says the Shulchan Aruch, you only make one bracha. If you spoke, that's something different. But if you didn't speak, you make one bracha l'anech. Says the Ramah. Yesh omrim l'varech al shalom al sharosh al mitzvah tefillin apilu loiv sik bein time. V'chein pashat haminhag bevatei Ashkenaz shemavachin shtei brachot. That's a minhag Ashkenaz. A very interesting suggestion that it's best after saying the second bracha to say Baruch Shem Kavod Machutol Olam in fear of that one said a bracha Levatala. Okay, so we found that that is the machloket between Sfarim and Ashkenazim, according to Sfarim, if a person doesn't speak, you only make one bracha, and for Ashkenazim, if you did speak, uh, even if you didn't speak, you still every day say to Brachot. So, call to everybody. Thank you for listening and uh, have a great week.